0: Music Well, good morning and welcome. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. If you'd grab your Bible, if you have one, and turn to Colossians. I'm going to get to Colossians chapter 2 in just a minute. Uh, and as I, uh, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screens for you. You want to say welcome. Thanks for being here. It's good to be back. Uh, this time last week, um, many of you know that I boarded a plane about 2 o'clock on Saturday, Sunday afternoon. After the matter of fact, the 11 o'clock service, as soon as I said amen on my message, I jumped in a car and went to the airport and flew uh, to Amsterdam and then on to Nairobi. And I've been in Kenya this whole week. Yesterday, uh, I flew back and had one of those great experiences at the airport. You ever had one of those where you want to go but you can't go? And uh, right, it's amazing. And so, four different planes in Detroit trying to get back here. Oh, there's a light that's not working. So another plane. Oh, this light's not working. So finally, I grabbed my bag and said, I'm double booked for the 5.30 flight. You do the math. That's Eastern time. So I arrived at the airport at 5.30 and I ha- here in Milwaukee, I have to preach here at 5.30. So my wife, I'm texting like mad, like crazy. You're not supposed to do on the airplane, but if you go on a certain level that you can, okay. And so I'm doing all that and letting them know. And uh, so Tammy picks me up at the airport. Somebody else gets my bags, my luggage. I'm changing in the, in the, the, the truck. My wife is like Mario Andretti. I mean, she is flying. <laughs> I mean, the angels, we blew the angels off. You know, my mother always said, don't, 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 don't speed because the angels will blow off the front of the car. They didn't even go along for the ride. It was just like, so, and the service is going on. I kept telling Ryan, just stall. I'm, I'm there. I'm at, I'm at Capital in 45. I'm at Good Hope or Texting. I'm, I'm on Mequon Road. As soon as she drops me off in the back, they're like, they're waiting on you. So it was a weird experience. I haven't like shaved in two days. I, I have been basically up for 36 hours. You know, I got, an, I got a shower in Detroit but had no hair products. I know, it's a hard life. And uh, walked right up and like, good evening, welcome to Life Church." That was the weirdest experience. Because you know how like you have those crazy dreams, like you've got to be somewhere but you can't find your clothes or you can't. I had those dreams that I'm back there coming out, and I, I, I can't find my pants, or I can't find my Bible, or where are my notes? Or And I'm like, just a minute, just it was like I was living that dream. So anyhow, those five-hour energy release deals, they work, and that's what I'm on right now. So if I'm talking really, really fast, you may need an interpretation, we'll slow it down. But I'm pretty wired. So anyhow been a great week um an awesome week i'm going to talk more about that experience i want to say to the men in this room uh, i'm already setting up and working on a trip that i want some guys to go with me and take a week um it nairobi was a fascinating city beautiful city um awesome phenomenal wonderful people i've traveled some throughout the world and uh uh, in Asia, in uh, uh, Europe, and Central South America, phenomenal people. Just warm, welcoming, greeting, great. It was awesome. Uh, and, uh, but I saw some things as they walked us through the slums, and we fed the kids in the feeding programs and at the schools, and then took us out to the bush where the kids can't come in to go to school until about 9.30 because they have about a, a mile to a, to a three-mile one-way walk to school, and the kids have got to watch out for cheetah and lion so they don't get eaten alive. And we work, work, worry about our kids going to the bus stop, and uh, literally, and being there. And uh, I was there with a couple of pastors, a friend of mine from Indianapolis, and another guy from Colorado Springs, and another guy from Birmingham, Alabama, and then Rob Ketterling, who was here, with us doing the missions, doing the marriage conferences with me from Minneapolis, and we're there, and uh, uh, I had these Oakley sunglasses that just kind of covered my face, and I couldn't take them off. I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, um, I, I've never been messed up like that before. I, I've never been when they took us, and we're out in the bush about two hours south of Nairobi at the airport, and we're in this land cruiser, and it's crazy four-wheel drive terrain. And you're in the middle of like what you think is nowhere. And you pull up, and there are 300 children. And the, the Maasai women who are dressed in their regalia and in all of their colorful dress are there. They're the moms, and then the dads are there and met the tribal chief. And they said, that's time for, for breakfast, and you're going to get to serve breakfast. And um, this porridge, which just looked like soup beans, uh, watered-down oatmeal, and we sat down, and I'm dipping this out, and Rob and Ronnie are next to me, and, I, and they're like, dude, you, are you okay? I, 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 I couldn't look at the kid. I, I was just crying. I was just, and I'm not a crier. Um, it just, it was amazing. I asked them, I said, can I have this cup? I, I, I want to take the cup back. Um, I want to put him in my, I, I never want to forget this. And uh, just an amazing trip. Uh, funny stuff too because they bring you out these gifts. And when they brought these gifts, these Maasai women are coming out and they're dancing and chanting and they're coming towards you and you're lined up like, okay, what's about to happen? And uh, <laughs> it's funny. There's four of us guys, right? So they're going to give us these gifts and that they've made, these handcrafts. And uh, they had like this one little stick that's all beaded, beautiful beaded stuff. And then uh, these three belts for the four of us. And I could see these two ladies coming towards me and the guy next to me, the the friend of mine, Dave. And they're kind of going back and forth. These other two are going straight, but they're kind of trying. And what they're trying to decide is, both of these guys are fat, but who can fit the belt? (laughs) I wish I was joking with you, but I'm not. And so, I won. At least she thought I could. I, I was not as fat as he was and I looked at him and I said you know what they're doing this is all happening it's all happening why this is going on he's like no I said you're too fat to get the belt and I'm getting it you know and the other two guys are laughing they're skinny as rails on trees, and so and she goes to put I mean, she's right here all up in my space you know what I'm talking about like wrapping around me and the whole deal yeah my love handles and all my loveliness you know my theme song is your body is a wonderland right here this is it and so, you'll get that about 2 o'clock. And so, she goes around to do this, and she's trying to get it. And I said, it's not going to work. And she keeps, like, punching me to suck it in. And I said, no, it won't work. And he's laughing. I said, but at least they tried it on me, man. So, anyhow, I said, thank you for the But Oh, we fixed No, 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 no. It's fine. This will be a good story. So, anyhow. 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 Um, we're in our series, this uh, fourth part of the series, on, as we're walking through the book of Colossians on this pastoral, this, uh, this prisoner's blog. And uh, we're looking at chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 15. And, and I wanna, I'm not going to read verses 1 through 5, but I want to kind of summarize it. Um, basically, Paul is, is having some personal comments, because these are letters. And, and what he is basically saying here is that um, the church in uh, Colossae, which is the book of Colossians is written to the church in Colossae, It's just a neighboring city to Laodicea, which they're both about 100 miles from Ephesus. So the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians and the church of Laodicea. And, and Paul says, look, when you get done with this letter, I want you to send it to the sister church in Laodicea, because they're dealing with the same issues that you're dealing with. And now remember the issues that they're dealing with is uh, this uh, uh, syncretism uh, or secretism, which basically is, it's where Jesus is kind of an addendum. He's kind of an add-on. It's kind of like, um, in our context, you know, I, I go to church, but I have a little bit of Dr. Phil, a little bit of Oprah, got a little bit of this and that, just kind of all mix it all together, and that's my belief system. It's very much kind of like a, a soup, if you would. It's just a little of this and a little of that and a little of this. And that's what I believe. And what was happening was, is that the people were beginning to buy into the ideologies of the culture of, in Laodicea and in Colossae. That Jesus wasn't deity. That he wasn't God. That he wasn't the only way, the truth, of the life. That there were other ways to God. And, and maybe he was part of the equation, but he wasn't the totality of the equation. And Paul is writing this this epistle, which is basically a letter, which in in, uh, the 21st century would be like a blog. And he's writing this and basically saying this, Jesus is supreme. Jesus is numero uno. It's the first commandment. You know, I'll have no other gods before me. And so he's writing this and he's giving this and he's saying, listen, I want you to deal, when you're done with this letter, when you're done with this blog, I want you to send it to Laodicea because they're dealing with it. Here's what's interesting about Laodicea. There's not a uh, a letter officially written to the church in Laodicea, but Laodicea comes out in John's writings in the book of Revelation when it said that the church of Laodicea was rich and increased in wealth, but they had lost their first love. They had lost their connection to Jesus. Colossae and Laodicea both had very similar economic and uh, social demographics. What's interesting to me about that is that's a lot like the church in America. If we're not careful, this is the reason why Colossians is so applicable to us, because we have so much. We are so blessed. We we have so much education and opportunity and so much money and so much resource and so many things, so many avenues, so many distractions, if we're not careful that we can lose focus on our first love. And Paul basically, again, in this entire letter, letter, is saying, listen, Jesus is not an add-on. Jesus is not an addendum. Jesus is not another uh, addition to this soup of, of religiosity that basically gets you into heaven. Jesus is it. He's the main course. He's the only course. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so he, is, he, he talks to, to them here in this point about being Established. Now on the back side of your bulletin, there's some notes you can follow along with. And he says this, this is the first the 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 first blank is to be established means to live the life or walk the talk. To be established means to live the life or walk the talk. That's what we're going to talk about today, is being established. That's what Paul's talking about. And we're going to begin reading in verse number six. He says this. So then, just as you receive Christ, Jesus as your Lord, again, you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I just want to make sure for everybody you understand. Going to church doesn't save you. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to Taco Bell makes you a Chalupa. It doesn't work that way. Just because you're in a garage doesn't mean you're a Ferrari. Okay, Going to church does not mean you're a Christian. The way the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that we have to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. Through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're saved. But that's not what pastor so-and-so said, or that's not what priest so-and-so said, or that's not what my mother or my grandmother, God rest her soul, said. I mean, no disrespect to those people, but honestly, at the end of the day, you don't care what I think. We don't care what man thinks. This is what the Word says. And so Paul says, you just received as Jesus Christ so just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, you have a personal relationship with Him, continue, that word continue in the original language means to be established, to be set. That's where we're coming from this today. To be established, to live in Him. And that word live in Him means to walk in Him. It, 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 basically this, Paul's saying, look, you need to be established in Jesus Christ. And not just to show up at church on Sunday or Saturday and to dichotomize your life. A dichotomy means that I have a, a professional life and I have a private life. That I have this thing that people see and this thing. Or or I have church on Sunday and then I have the rest of my life during the week. No, 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 no. no. Jesus is Lord of all of your life or none of your life. There are no di- dichotomies. There are no uh, compartments in which this is your area and that's God's area. I take care of the business, God takes care of my, of my salvation. No, 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 no. He's saying this, I want you to continue. I want you to be established and I want you to walk this out. I want you to live this out. I want you and everything that you do on your way to work, on your way home, at the factory, at the office, wherever you are, I want you to, to, to live this life of Christ out. Do you realize the cool thing about being a Christ follower is that in everything that we do, we can glorify God. That by our jobs and by the work of our hands, the Bible says whatever your hand finds, do, do it unto the Lord. You can do it unto the Lord. So at our work and our job and our employment, we do that as unto the Lord. Okay, let's, let, let's talk about something more exciting. Ladies, as you shop, you can shop as unto the Lord. <laughs> oh, now don't shout me down. I'm preaching good. Guys, when we're fishing or when we're hunting or when we're buying that new Callaway 454 titanium driver and we're on the golf course, glory to his name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some of you gonna go to Florida. Vacation, getting that suntan, do it for Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, And, you, and I'm, I'm being a little funny here, but I'm being serious. You don't leave Jesus on a shelf. You don't leave your relationship with Christ just out there. You, the Bible says it's in him that we live and we move and we have our being. How we love our family, our time in which we play, our time in which we, rec- we have recreation, or that word recreation means to recreate yourself. That's what Sabbath means. So you just thought you were having fun. No, 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 no. Recreate yourself. Replenish yourself. Paul says, in all of these things, I want you to be established in your walk. I want people to see you and go that's a child of the Most High God. That's a Christ follower. There's a smile on their face. There's a song in their heart. As you're walking through the airport, as you're doing what you're doing, and every, as you're walking in your home, as you're doing your jobs, as you're doing business, as you're on vacation, wherever you are, you never leave Jesus behind. He's with you. So Paul says, be established. Now he says, how? Let's, let's look at this. How? Verse number seven. It says this. Be rooted up. Or should be, be rooted, excuse me. Uh, and that word rooted, again, it's, there, there's agricultural analogies or metaphors all throughout Scripture where, you know, the Word of God is like seed that's planted and it brings forth. Uh, 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 um, and so, so he's going back to that. Secondly, be built up in Him. Thirdly, be strengthened in the faith in which you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So be rooted, built up, strengthened in the faith in which you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. How are you established? Now, again, in the Greek, in the original language when this is written, there are these... Um, there are these word pictures, basically, that kind of uh, symbolize, if you would, um, like if you see a smiley face, that's a sign for like happiness or joy or or whatever. I mean, we we have these little symbols, these 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 word pictures, if you would. And the word picture for, for for rooted is the picture of a tree. I want you to be established like a tree. I want you to be. I want your faith in Jesus Christ to be established like a tree. And I and I don't know if you've ever done this before, but like people plant trees as memorials. People, um, uh, and all throughout scripture, the Bible talks about the tree. Psalm says it we're to be like a tree that's planted by waters that we shall not be moved that when the winds and the waves and the seasons of life come that we stand st- strong because our roots go deep in God and the things of God and that and and that God is our strength and he is our source and and Jesus talks about the tree when he says you know if a tree doesn't bear fruit it will be cut down and thrown into the fire but a tree that grows speaking of God and 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 bears much fruit speaking of what we do for the kingdom of God and what we do for God and how we live our lives unto God that that tree will be, will be blessed. Uh, Jesus cursed one tree because it didn't bear fruit and he blessed another one because it did. It's the same metaphor. It's the same word picture. and he says, when you become established, when you have a relationship with in God, when you live the life, when you walk the talk, your life should look like a tree that's planted. Now my dad and my, my mom and dad live on about 30 acres in northeast Arkansas, and my dad bought the property where his mom and dad, my grandparents, met. Uh, it was a crossing, and uh, there's a spring, but there's also uh, uh, this huge oak tree that's there. And my dad, every time we're there, you know, a couple times a year, we get we all, all take a walk, and he brings us back, and he said, this is the place, you know, I've heard the story many times. But it's kind of cool because that's where our family, he said, son, this is where we're from. This is where your grandparents met. We would not be here today if it weren't for this. And this tree and the spring, they symbolize that our family was established. That's what Paul says. I I want when people look at you, they look at you like you're a mighty oak, that the, the seasons of life can come and that the winds and the waves can come and the summer can come and the spring breeze can blow, but that you will remain, that you'll be established in Christ. The next thing he says, I want you to be built up. That word built up would be like a house. I want you to be established like a home. Like and, and, and homes they used to, especially in the first century, they would have cornerstone markers. They would have a, a cornerstone of the house and that house usually there was etched on the date in which that house was built. It was established. Jesus said of himself that I'm, 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 I'm the stone that the builders rejected. I, I'm the cornerstone in which the kingdom is built upon. But yet the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and religious leaders of the day rejected him as the cornerstone because he didn't look like the Messiah. He didn't look like who they thought that God would send. And so he was a this rejected cornerstone, but he even says of himself, I'm that cornerstone. And 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 Paul says, I want you to be like that. I, I want you to be like a house that's established where it was built and, and where it was done. And, and I don't know if you've ever like poured a patio and you put your kid's handprint there so that you can remember their handprint. Or, or, or you know, uh, it's a neat thing here in Germantown. If you go just north of our little city here and to Dinesville, and and you see Germantown Mutual Insurance, which is out on 45 now. It wasn't always there. It was started up there, and it's in 18-something, and and it's all written above the door. it, it, It says this is when this house, this is when this building was established. Paul said that's how I want your life to be, that when people look at you, they go, man, he is living in Christ and has been living there since circa 1971 or circa 1956 or circa 2003, whatever the year that you were established, to be established like a house. Pretty cool, huh? You just thought it said rooted and built up. And he goes on to say, I want you to continue on in this faith in what you were taught. And it's a word picture of of you should be established like a legal document. For those of you that are attorneys in the room, you're going to like this. If, like a legal document that you're signed, that you're sealed, that you're delivered. That there, there's this covenant between you and God and and your life and your faith in Jesus Christ is, is like a signed document, like you would sign the papers on your home or like you would sign for property or you or, or or you would sign a marriage covenant. You know where where you are saying, I am giving my life to this. I am signing up. I am established. Our our marriage was bega- began in 1996. I mean, wh- wh- whatever it may be and what's cool about that is that's exactly what God did the sign of his covenant relationship with you and I is this book this binding book that God says I love you so much that I'm going to give you my word in print you can go to the bank on it it'll never return up empty. It will never come back void. I will always be responsible. God's responsible for doing two things, keeping the principles and the promises of this book. That's why we say go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Because at the end of the day, you don't really care what I think. We don't really care what everybody else thinks. It's what is God's word saying. God says, my word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It changes not. And so when Paul says, I want you to be established like a tree, I want you to be established like a home, I want you to be established like a legal document. He goes on in verses 8 through 10 and says, be established In Jesus and not in man. When you're established, make sure that your foundation is in Jesus and not in man. Because men will rise and men will fall. Empires will rise and empires will fall. Genghis Khan and and Alexander the Great and the Pharaohs and, and Caesar. They will rise and they will fall. But my word, I, God, will never. So make sure you establish yourself in Jesus Christ. Because he was before time began, he will be when time is no more. He's the alpha, he's the omega, he's the beginning, he's the end. He's the first and the last and that forevermore that shall be. So when you establish yourself, make sure you establish yourself on the right foundation. Make sure that you make sure that you, you do the soil test and you do the borings and you make sure it's, it's, it's in Jesus Christ and not in man. Now let's, let's read this, what he says in verse 8 through verse 10. He says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depend upon human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. If you're a Christ follower, this is why you need to have your Bible with you. Whether you're looking at it on your smartphone, or whether you're looking or an 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 iPad, or whether you're looking at it on on in paper in front of you, listen. Don't the men that preach and the women that preach God's word? They're just people. They can make mistakes. Make sure you go back to what does the book say? Chapter and verse. That's the reason why we do this every week. Verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness, we talked about the fullness, the all in all, the totality of of, of deity, of the deity, which is God, lives in bodily form, which is Jesus Christ in our heart, which you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Again, he establishes that he's the head over every power and authority. Now, again, he comes back to it and says, listen, this is not like... Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. There's not a a light side and a dark side. There's not two competing deals. There's only Jesus. There's none above him. There are none beside him. And every power and every authority rests below him. And they are all created unlike him. That's what's so awesome about God. God has no beginning. God has no end. God is God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, be careful not to establish yourself in man, but to establish yourself in Jesus. Now, I want to read something for you because I think this is, this is very, very, very helpful to understand the application of what, how this would fit in our context today. Because again, we, just like the church in Colossae or the church in Laodicea, uh, there's a lot of multi-ideas out there. You know, that there's, maybe there's more than one way to lead to God, and this Jesus thing, is I, maybe it's narrow, and what about man and all this? Well, I came across some commentary by Don Stamps, who wrote the commentary for the Full Life Study Bible. Some of you may have that Bible. It's printed. It's an evangelical Bible. It's printed out of Zondervan Press in Grand Rapids. But here's what he says. Paul warns us to be on on guard against all philosophies, religions, and traditions that emphasize man's functioning independently from God and His Word. God has no problem with man. God has a problem when we build our ideologies, our faith, our beliefs on man instead of on him. Now, remember in week one, I told you that the church in Colossae had a problem that was called syncretism, which basically combined ideas from other philosophies and religions with Jesus. So Jesus is part of the equation. And ultimately, when they do that, they deny the very power of God. And I want you to understand this is real important because, because God's number one, and, and, and he has no one beside him, and he is the way, the truth, and life, and you can't add on to him and I know some of you may be brand new today, but I want to talk about this for a second. I remember just a couple of years ago, you remember the movie that Mel Gibson, and you may not like Mel Gibson, you may have opinions about Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson's a man. I'm not de- I'm not lifting him up. But I had two different opportunities, one in Chicago and one in Orlando, to be in a group of ministers that met with him in a kind of a Q&A session, and when he was releasing this movie, The Passion of the Christ. And one of the questions that was asked of this was, was, uh, you make the statement that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and that's been challenged openly, And why did you choose to put that in the movie? And he said, it has been challenged. He said, basically, you know he funded the entire movie himself because Hollywood wouldn't produce the movie and um, And he said, because the problem is is that, is that, is that they were telling me it 's too narrow, you're going you're gonna to lose a market share, uh, people don't believe that anymore. Uh, it, it, it's, it's uh, bigotory, it's, uh, it's exclusive language, it's elitist language. And basically it says that if you believe in Muhammad or Krishna or in Buddha or, or in man or enlightenment or any of that other stuff, that, that they're not truth and, that, and that's just kind of a narrow-minded and you're going to narrow your audience and you're going to wind up offending people and, and the media is going to have a heyday. And they said, well, why did you do that? He said, because that's the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to get to the Father except through the Son. And and as the press went, they had a heyday with it. They crucified him over that issue. And I thought it's so cool because here's a guy who, he and I have different ideologies and philosophies about how to flesh out life, and I'm not defending him nor am I crucifying him. I'm just simply stating that, that, that at the end of it, at the bottom line of this, it's Jesus Christ. There is none other. And again, if you think that's a narrow-minded way or you think, you know, a pluralistic way or, yeah, I believe Jesus is is a way but not the way. No, 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 no. Paul says it's very important that you understand he's God and there's none else beside him. He is God and all powers and all authority exist below him. And in the world that we live in and the world that Colossians was written in, they were kind of putting Jesus up with all these other ideologies, And Paul said, no, 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 there's one. Today, how this would flesh out in our world is a thing called secular humanism. It's become an underlying philosophy and religion in most secular education, government, society in general. Uh, It's an established viewpoint by most news and entertainment media outlets in the world. And again, I am not here to get into the uh, quagmire of politics and all the other junk. But I don't think anybody would disagree with the fact that secular humanism and this ideology that's built upon man, not upon Jesus Christ, is very much in the world that we live in. And here's what secular humanism says about itself. It says that man, universe, and everything else exists and consists of only matter and energy that's been shaped into their present form by an impersonal chance, i.e. the Big Bang Theory. It just all kind of cataclysmically just kind of happened. Again, I was just... Two days ago in the Masamara, which extends from Kenya all the way through Tanzania and into the Serengeti. And I'm seeing these fascinating creatures. And I'm seeing, I mean, everything. We saw a pride of lions. There were 21 lions that had just taken down a cart buffalo. It was like, wow. And just totally cool stuff. But, but we saw giraffes in the dozens. And, 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 and a giraffe is an animal that basically... It, it, it defies evolution. The way that it's built, that when the head goes down into the water, the vertebrae actually cut off the blood supply so that, the, head, so that it doesn't, the blood doesn't rush to the head and then overtake the heart when it comes back up. And there's a sequential way in which it releases blood supply going back down. That doesn't just happen by chance. Sorry, maybe you believe that, but you're jacked up. I'm sorry, that's my thing. <laughs> It it goes on, secular humanism says that man is not created by God, but through an evolutionary process. Again, when I was there in the Masamara, we saw these animals, but we saw baboons. And at nighttime, when we went to our tents, because we were in tents out here, there's no fencing. This isn't like an animal park. It's kind of scary. And and they didn't give us like 357s or shotguns. And and so they basically say, when you go to your tent at night, after dinner, was it at 9 o'clock, when you go to your tent, Do not get back out because the baboons and and these other creatures are all out. Make sure your tent is firmly zipped up because the baboons will come into the tent. It's on like Donkey Kong. You know what I'm saying? I mean, cellulite in motion right here, people. So I'm I'm reading and all of a sudden the lights go out at 11 o'clock because the solar power generator shut off. Dude, it is dark. Now, I'm like 250 pounds of magic right here. I was scared. <laughs> About 15, 20 yards this way is one tent. The, one of the guys, were all in different tents. They asked us at the end, do you have any other, do you have any comments? Don't make me sleep in the tent out in the middle of the African Masamara by myself. I was scared to death. And all of a sudden, here's what happens. You start hearing this, all these feet all around you. That was one of those Jesus take the wheel moments. You know what I'm talking about? And it kept happening. And I was like, hello? Hello? I was about to start hollering for Dave and Rick that were in two tents next to me. And it continued to happen. I realized these are the baboons. And y'all know me. I got snacks, right? Every fat man gonna travel with snacks. Come on, I had granola bars, I had gum, I had power bars, a couple of Snickers up in there. I had, I was like, they are coming to get my goods. (laughs) There's a lot of things you can take from me, but don't take my food. (laughs) You'll pull back a nub, you know what I'm talking about? And the next day we see these baboons as we're out on the safari drive. This is just like a 24-hour deal. We, We flew a small Cessna in. Uh, and chartered the deal and, and got in there and stayed the night and then we flew out the next day so we had to catch our flight back. And I'm watching these baboons, man. And dude, they're eating their own poop. I just thought that something happened at the zoo. Now, if you want to say that's where you came from, go on with your bad self. But I'm, I'm a little more sophisticated than that. You don't know what I'm talking about? I don't believe that my ancestry was eating poop and throwing it. I, I'm just not there with you but if you're more enlightened and you've got a bigger mindset you're smarter than me go on with your bad self but they would say no we that's what we came from sorry check please i'm done i'm not on that one. secular humanism rejects a belief in a personal infinite god and denies that the bible is god's inspired word of god that's the reason why i say at life church we always come back to god's word not what i say not what you say but what does the word say because this word is infallible, which means that it, it will never fail. It's an errant, which means it has no errors. And it's inspired, which means these weren't written by the hands of men. This is the word of God. Again, if you want to take it into your own hands, that's fine. But I'm telling you, that's what the word says. Secular humanism, it says that knowledge doesn't exist apart from man's discovery, that man is the ultimate authority. Can you hear the pride in that? It says that... that, that, that that secular humanism says that it seeks to modify or improve human behavior strictly through education, economic redistribution, psychology, and human wisdom. I'm going to tell you, with being in some of these impoverished areas, the hope that were in their eyes was not the fact that we were giving them a meal. Whether we were in the slums of Nairobi or we were in the bush in the Masamara, the hope that was in their eyes was Jesus. And I'm all for uh, clean water. And, and, and as you give money to missions, we're going to help do that because it's a huge thing. It can, it can eradicate 90-some-odd percent of most uh, 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 health issues that are happening in third-world developing countries or anywhere as far as that's concerned. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against uh, you know, a certain amount of, of, of we, people that are poverty and we need to help them, we need to give. I, I believe that. And, and education and all of that. I, I, I'm with you. But if that's all we do is humanitarian aid, If all we do is basically just try to do something to clean the water and give them education, that doesn't save a person's soul. Secular humanism says that's what will change the problem. No, it won't. It doesn't change the heart of man. We need to feed. We need to clothe. We need to give food. But at the end of the day, what I saw in the eyes of those children was the hope of Jesus Christ. As they began to recite scriptures, as they began to talk about wanting to be pastors when they grew up, and teachers, and pilots, it was the hope of Jesus. What I saw in their eyes, it wasn't hollowed out. It was the light, of which is the light of the world. It was Jesus Christ. It was the fact that they understand that there's a God that loves them, and that he cares about them. And even as we were introduced, we were there on his behalf. We were his hands and feet extended, and there'll be a hundred of you, and that's the reason why I'm trying to shake you up and do everything I can to get into your head and, and to help help you and get your butt out of that seat and onto a plane and somewhere around the world because it will not just change them it will change you because economic redistribution and socialistic thought and Marxism is not going to change this world I'm telling you it's not going to change it if socialism would have changed the world it would have happened in Russia it'd be transforming China the only thing that's a hope of the world is the local church which is Jesus Christ you're it Amen. And so socialism says, no, 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 no. no. I mean, secular humanism says, no, it's all just the human behavior. No, 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 no. It's way more than that. And secular humanism says there's no moral absolutes. It feels good to do it. Secular humanism says that man's fulfillment, his pleasure, satisfaction is the highest priority of life. Secular humanism says that people should be able to deal with and deal and cope with death death and difficulties without dependence upon God. And we see that in the world that we live in. But can I tell you, secular humanism is not new. It's been around since the beginning of time. It's, really, it's, what, it's what Colossians, Colossians was dealing with. It's what Laodicea was dealing with. Check it out in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. Satan or the serpent says this, that God knows when you eat of it, speaking of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know where all of it comes from? It's the pride. It's the pride issue. It's the fact that at the end of the day, we want to think we're better than we are. We want to think that, that we can do And it all begins with this lie of Satan that man can be like God, that somehow we can be like God. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. He said, And they exchange the truth of God for a lie. And they worship and serve created things, man, rather than the creator, God. These aren't new issues. This is us. And our fallen, sinful, depraved nature called sin we want to exalt ourselves. We want to be God. Who is it? Alexander the Great? I'm kind of a history buff, and, and, and he was a fascinating guy to me because the sword that he carried was around 75 pounds, and historians say that he could actually sever a man's torso at the waist with one swipe. You're talking about Conan the Barbarian, dude. Huge. And he cried in at, 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 at his mid twenties because he had conquered all the known world. Because there's something in us that says there's got to be more. There's got to be something that that, that 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 I'm 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 God. That I'm captive. That I'm this. <laughs> no, Paul says. Don't establish yourself in man. Don't establish yourself in your own ideologies. Don't establish yourself. And listen, you can talk to philosophy professors from UW-Madison to Marquette University. You can listen to people pontificate and, 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 and exegete on their ideas and their ideologies. But at the end of it, it's the very simple core that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Son of the living God. He is supreme. There is no other way to the Father except through the Son. That He is the resurrection and the Light. and unless you believe in him you're lost and Paul says when you establish your life like a tree when you establish your life like a home when you establish your life like a document that's signed, sealed and delivered make sure that it's built upon Jesus Christ the essence basically is that Jesus has the answers and let me say this because I want you to understand this it's not that we should be mindless or check our brains at the door, God has no problems with your questions again I, I'm from Arkansas So I just got shoes seven years ago. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. It's all right. But the longer I live this God life, the more questions that I have. Matter of fact, I have a tablet and I just write my questions down. When the rapture of the church happens, I might say, hey, can can you hold up just a second? I need to go back to my office and get get my my tablet so I can get it to heaven because I got a lot of questions. I probably won't forget around that marriage, of the lamb, that seven-year like buffet, right? Hallelujah. And, 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 but, but I have a lot of questions. One of the greatest answers that I, one of my college professors at Bible college at seminary said is this. We don't know. There are so many things we don't have answers to. Paul says that trying to figure it out is like looking through stained glass. You see shadows, you see light, you think you see, and then it's gone. Why? Because God is infinite. No beginning, no end, and we are finite. We're so small in the spectrum of life. And God doesn't deal with life in a continuum of of linear. God's 360 degrees around the entire sphere of things. It's so far beyond us. So God's not, listen, if you have questions and you're not a Christ follower, kick tires as long as you need to. Ask all the questions you want to ask. You're not putting God off. If you're a Christ follower and you have some crazy questions and go, I don't understand why this happens and why is this going on and why this and why that. That's okay. That's okay. Don't, I, I don't want you to understand I, I understand this. I don't want you to quill your questions. That's not what God wants you to do either. Paul doesn't have a problem with that either. But where's the basis of your answers coming from? Don't build it on man's ideas. <laughs> Don't build it on some secular humanistic idea that says that man's the beginning and the end and he's the only authority. And unless he discovers truth, it's not truth at all. Don't build it on me. Don't build it on the church. God help us all. Build it on his word. Let this be the beginning and the end of the questions. And, 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 and you know what? And just understand that once you decide to be a Christ follower, then be established in Jesus and move forward. Don't add to, don't take away, don't put him in some kind of a mix of some kind of a brew that you put together that makes it happen. Now, he says this, and I'm wrapping up really quickly, but it's a kind of fun deal. In verse 11 and 12, he talks about physical signs of being established. So Let's talk about circumcision for a minute, shall we? Mm, say, ouch, Owe oh, me, something. It says, verse 11, and in him, you were also circumcised. We're going to show you a picture. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, and we're <laughs> circumcised. And in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with circumcision, done by the hands of men. Hallelujah. Right? Amen. Thank you. All right, anyhow. Uh, but by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. The Old Testament circumcision was the outward sign. That you were established in God. It's in your notes. An oh, Old Testament circumcision was the outward sign. Genesis 17, Deuteronomy chapter 10. You can figure it out. You can see it out. But Paul says no longer. In the New Testament today, water baptism by immersion is a sign that we are. To go down to that watery grave and to come back out. And water baptism is basically an outward sign of an inward action. It just basically says this. You know what? I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I've been established in him like a tree. I'm establishing him like a home that's built with a cornerstone. I'm establishing him like a signed, sealed, delivered, legally binding document. And I want the world to know. And I would tell you that if you're a Christ follower and you've not yet followed in water baptism, we do one big one a year. We're probably going to start doing some smaller ones just to try to keep up because there are people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. There are people that are deciding to be established every weekend at Life Church. That's exciting. Over 100 people have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ at the beginning of the year. At this church, and it's a deal. is because people are hearing the truth, not me. They're hearing God's word, and it's changing their life. It's answering their questions. And so, and so when you're established, you follow him because there should be outward expressions of this inward action. There should be something that's different about you. And remember, Paul says, when you're established, it's not a man that establishes you. It's Jesus that establishes you. Remember, Jesus is the one that establishes you. Remember, you're not established by a church. You're not established by a pastor. You're not established by a priest. You're not established by me. You're not established by your parents. You're not established by your associations. You are established through Jesus Christ. Let's read this and we're going to end. Verse 13 through 15. You were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all of our sins. Having canceled the written code and its regulation, that's the Old Testament, that was against us, that stood to oppose us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Now, verse 15, this is like a rocky moment. I mean, if if the Bible was like on audio, you'd start hearing, I'm telling you, you'd be right here. Having disarmed the powers and the authorities. Check that out. I mean, seriously, disarmed. This is like an action film. When a guy walks into the room, right, you know what I'm saying? And it's on like Donkey Kong. He's taking it down. It's what it says. He disarmed the powers and the authorities. Every power, every authority are below him. And he made a public spectacle of them. Don't just gloss over that. Dude, he made them the laughing stock. And triumphing over them. How? By the cross. That's awesome. Dude, the God that I serve is like an action hero. Better than Schwarzenegger ever thought about being. I mean, he comes into the situation and he disarms them. Because here's what the Bible says, that there's coming a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Every rock star, every celebrity, every mogul, every power monger, every leader that's ever ruled the world from Genghis Khan to Adolf Hitler to Pharaoh himself will bow their knee at the, at, the, at the throne of the holy God and, and, and pronounce him king of kings and lord of lords. Satan himself, the, the, the enemy of our soul and his imps and his armies and his demons will have to bow before the, before the sea of humanity that's ever lived and confess that he's Lord and that he's Savior before the throne away. That's the God that we serve. That's who you're established in. Wow, that's good. That is awesome. Because remember, it's Jesus that's made you alive. If your Christianity is boring, you're not serving God. You've got religion, no relationship. I'm telling you, the God that we serve, he is awesome. He is all-powerful. He is everything. And he's able to disarm and make spectacle of every power and every authority that exalts itself before you in the name of God. That's the reason why, when you read stories like, like Daniel in the lion's den and, and David before Goliath, God makes spectacle. He makes sport. When people exalt themselves before Him, He crashes them down because He's God. And that God is in you, and He's made you alive. That's the reason why I find Christians go, Well, I just don't know if we're going to make it through this economic downtime. Are you stinking kidding me? What are you smoking? I mean, this is the God of the universe. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's got it all under control. And you have direct access in the very mention of his name. Wow. He's forgiven you of your sins. Come on, some of you, that's better than than it is for some of the other ones. Because we got some jacked up stuff, right? (laughs) At the end of the day, we all know how messed up we are. Some of you well, I'm not that messed up. You're the most messed up person in the room. Listen to me. <laughs> He's forgiven you. It's like the woman who had was being getting ready to be stoned because of her sexual promiscuity. He said, just go and sin no more. Wow. God's not some cosmic killjoy that sets in the heavenlies with some. Louisville slugger ready just to knock your stinking head off. He's like a father who sees a child. He's learning to ride a bike. And they fall off and they skin their knee. And he comes running and picks them up and says, Baby, it's going to be okay. You're all right. Wow. That's who we're established in. I don't want to be established in a church. I don't want to be established in you. You don't need to be established. I can't do that for you. I'm not going to do that for you. Jesus will do that for you the Bible says right there, he overcame the two barriers that stood between us and God. The judgment of the Old Testament. Did you know in the Old Testament, you had to like make these sacrifices of bulls and goats and pigeons. I mean, it's some crazy stuff. I can't keep up with it. And if you think, it's, if you think I'm lying to you, just, just go, go read Leviticus. Because some of you, with the amount of junk you deal with in your life, you'd have to have like an entire ranches to keep up with keeping sin out of your life. Mm-hmm. You yeah, have well, some livestock. Some of you have a chicken coop, but some of you, you would need like about a thousand acres. And that's expensive in this neck of the woods. You know what I'm talking about? He said, No, 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 no. It's gone. I paid it all. Death's been paid. And he overcame death, hell, and the grave. You want to know why I serve Jesus Christ? Not because I was raised in this. He's a winner. I don't like losers. Sorry. I don't like following a loser. I don't like playing on a losing team. I don't like losing. I'm highly competitive. Jesus Christ is the only one who did it, claimed to do it, and did it again. He's the only one who overcame death, hell, and the grave, and gives you and I the power to say, Hey, grave, where's your victory? Those are fighting words. Don't just be like, well, grave, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your... No, no, that's like, come on, bring it on. You know what I'm talking about? You have no power. You have no authority. Why? Because you're establishing him. I want to ask you one question, and then we're going to have a song, and I'm going to give you a moment to think about this. And this is the question. It's the last blank in your notes. Don't fill it out yet. We've been talking about being established like a tree, like a home, like a document legal document. What year were you established? I want you to think about that. John Enfield, established in 1985. Andy Arkin, established 2004. Chris Silver, established in 2002. Steve Grabosh, established 1976. Cherish Ward established in 2002. Established in 1974. Established 1985. Established in 2000. Established in 1995. Established in 2005. Established
1: in 1984. Established in 2008. This is the star. This is your heart. This is the day you were born. This is the sun. These are your lungs. This is the day you were born.